this is our exclusive Discord only um, live, and I'll make this available on Patreon to all of you. Okay, for those who missed it on the other platforms. All right, this is going to be my out of town rhythm, and so get used to that. So definitely, I want to encourage you join our Discord community. I encourage you to do that. Okay. Yeah. There's something about the physical Bible. Let me tell you, there's something about the physical Bible. I still love it. I, you know, it's different whenever I'm spending time alone in prayer and I'm bringing my Bible, I love having a physical Bible with me. I think it takes away from the distractions as well to make sure there are no notifications coming on or anything of the sort. So anyway, we are here y'all and we're going to get right to it. Reading the book of Jonah. And so I want to encourage you, as you know, um, it's customary for us to ask three questions when we read the scriptures. We're asking first, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that we're asking is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Okay. What are you revealing concerning yourself? What are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning me? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to commit our time these questions reflectively to receive from God and to hear from God. So let's pray to get started. Father, I ask as we spend time in your word today, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to each and every person here, Lord God. I ask that you would be with us, Lord, as we engage in your word, Father, that, Lord, we would be transformed by it today. Let this word do something in us. Father, we come with with empty minds, Lord. (laughs) We come, Lord, not imposing ourselves on this text but lord we come to receive the outpouring of your spirit so father increase in us lord and decrease lord things in us that need to be decreased lord correct us where we need correction or guide us where we need guidance lord lead us lord god um, be our good shepherd and lord encourage us lord as we navigate through this day today and we say that in jesus name amen I want to first shout out all the folks from the West Coast. Um, you guys are the OGs. I will say that. Um, Miri, you're part of that group as well. For those of you who are not even in the country, you guys are OGs. I'm sitting here. It's 530 in the morning for me as I'm spending time in the, in, re- in this reading. And I'm like, wait, I only, this is reminiscent of a time when I used to you know, spend time early in the morning for myself. But man, it is early in the morning for y'all. And so um, for some of you, it's 4.30 and you guys join us. So man, I have immense respect for you guys because it's 5.30 for me right now. But I wanted to make sure we're here. Vegas in the house. Much respect, Laura. Much respect. Let's get to it. Jonah chapter one. And it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the city to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. 
Then they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah, and they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you? that the sea may be calm for us. For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord for the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up. Sorry, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it, preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth for the greatest, from the greatest to the least of them. 
the word of the Lord. Sorry, the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his noble saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent hmm, and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Hmm. And he did not do it. Chapter 4. But it displeased John exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now, therefore, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to live than to die. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat, un sat under it in shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it cover up Jonah that he might, that he might be shaved for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but the morning dawned the next day and he prepared a worm and so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wished death upon himself. It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant, which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right and their left and much livestock? What a way to end a book. What a way to end a reading end it with a question. <clears throat> when we, you know, if you grew up, I don't know if anybody's, you know, part of the Sunday school crew. If you grew up in church and you grew up in old school church, we didn't have small groups where we have a Sunday school where you'd actually show up to church about an hour early and 
you would show up to church an hour early and, you know, they'd split everybody into groups. You know, the ladies have their classes and the men have their classes. There were the older women's class, the younger women's class. There was older men's class and the younger men's class. And then there were the kids' classes. Sometimes they separated the kids by age and sometimes they separated the kids by age and gender. It was just interesting, right? Because we would all have Sunday school. In Sunday school, we do a little study of scripture. And then after our study of scripture, we would then go to church. So it was like an hour before church. We would have Sunday school and then go to church. And Sunday school was great. I always thought, you know, the the super this the this super Christians were the ones that got up to go to Sunday school. <laughs> you know, because they're the ones who were up early. It was the super Christians. <laughs> Mike said, then you look up and you <laughs> you been at church for 7 a.m. There's no lie there. Okay. Um, I grew up in a wildly Pentecostal Haitian church. They don't play with that, okay? You show up at seven, Eddie. I wish this was hyperbole. I wish this was, this was an exaggeration. There's no exaggeration here, folks. Okay, we would be there at seven a.m. and I was there a little bit early because I was the pastor's kid. We'd be there at seven a.m. and we would leave at around four p.m. We really we'd leave around four p.m. Especially if God was moving in the house. Okay, especially. If God was moving and then don't let your mom find a friend. Oh my God. If your mom finds a friend, you're staying there for the evening service, which starts again around 630. I remember Sundays for me, it just brings me back because I'm just reflecting on this text, but it brings me back to when uh, on Sundays, I mean, Sundays were intense. We would have Sunday school in the morning. We would have uh, obviously the service. And then after the service, you know, people would fellowship with one another. And then after the fellowship, we would uh, we would have a Bible study and the Bible study group would be there at six. And then we'd have service that starts at 730. And of course, that service will go from 730 to about 10 p.m. So for a large part of my adolescence, I was in church from about 6 a.m. all the way until 10 p.m. So you can see how I got really, I felt a certain way about church for a long minute. Couldn't wait to leave because, man, that that to me felt like, man, that just put me in prison. But anyway, that just took me back for a second. Y'all just took me back for a second. However, when, um, when there was Sunday school, if anybody remembers for the kids out there, right, when you went to Sunday school, everybody heard the story of Jonah. And we all read Jonah's story, right? And and what we read about in Jonah's story, if anybody asks, well, what is Jonah about? What is Jonah known for? Every Everyone will answer that Jonah was known for the fish. Jonah was swallowed up by a fish. And the way it was taught to me when I was in Sunday school was that Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And the fish, because he, of course, was rebelling against God. And so he was thrown into the water, swallowed by a fish. And the fish then swam over to Nineveh and spit him out after Jonah prayed in the fish for God to deliver him. And the fish spit him out, spit him out onto land. And there he went and he ministered to the people of Nineveh. And the story was over. It was like, and the end. Like, that's it. That was, that was the story. Um, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, please raise your hand up in this chat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's really where the story ended. And the funny thing is, is that even with the story of Jonah, we heard it in Sunday school, 
I don't remember many folks preaching on Jonah. I don't remember many folks. It it, it just wasn't the, it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a book for the preachers. And w- whenever I've heard or have heard a sermon on Jonah, it's always been associated with the fish. Jonah has always been associated with the fish, and I get it. That seems like uh, a, a climactic part of the story, the story of of the fish coming in. And it's funny because the fish has become so central to Jonah's story that people have argued and debated over whether or not it w- it is it's it's true whether or not you know Jonah was swallowed up by an actual fish or was it metaphorical and you know we have all these people who debate over this stuff and then of course there are those who are trying to find proof that Jonah was swallowed up by a fish now it is true that even now there's been recorded instances of people being swallowed by large you know quote unquote fish whales and things of the sort and have lived to tell the tale I'm not here to have debates about that. I think because we've made it or made the fish the central part of the story, the fish is the one thing that we talk about and we debate about. And yet the fish is not even the biggest part of this story. Um, If you notice, Jonah is a little bit different than the other prophets. What you'll notice about Jonah is that Jonah is, unlike the other prophets, the prophets were directly speaking. You heard them directly speaking. And they were speaking concerning the evils of these nations that we've we've talked about and iterated over and over again, guys. <clears throat> Jonah is different because Jonah isn't really speaking. You're not reading the text as the words of a prophet. You're reading this text more as a story about a prophet. And, and this is interesting to me because this story about this prophet is not one of prophetic pride, if you would like to use those words. I don't know if there's a better set of words for it, but it's not one of prophetic pride in the sense of, uh, or, or one of pr- a prophetic example. It's not an, He's not an exemplar here. As a matter of fact, it seems that Jonah is one who hears from God, but almost has a way in which he looks to impose his will on God. Jonah is not like the other prophets in that way that he's speaking for God. But it seems that God has to will his plan through Jonah because Jonah is rebellious in his heart. Jonah is not the exemplar prophet. Jonah is the rebellious prophet. And so when we read this, uh, this, this, this book we're reading Jonah, but we're reading Jonah. <laughs> it's interesting because as we're as we're reading Jonah, we're noticing we're, we're not really hearing Jonah speaking to anyone. But this is a story about how God deals with people who've been anointed and called for a mission and for a plan, but just have their own plans in mind. It's funny because what Jonah really points to is the very heart of many of us today is that there's there's a subset of us who we, let's put it this way, we hear God, but we still try to um, amend God's plan for our lives. We hear from God about things that we ought to do, but it's almost as if we feel like our plans for ourselves are better than God's. 
like what we hear it's it's one of those things have you ever you know i don't know if anybody knows what i'm talking about okay for the spiritual folks in here who say you know i I've, i know what i've heard from god and then you say i've heard from god but then you you start asking is it really god like is is god really saying this it's always funny when god tells you to do something you want to do oh yeah i just heard from god but then when god tells you something you don't want to do you have this resistance towards it let me just give you a quick little check real quick fam if your spirit is compelled to do something that naturally your heart wouldn't want to do be almost certain that it's god that's speaking did you hear me family I remember when I was called into ministry and it, it reminds me of that season in my life where I had this pull to go into ministry. But if you ask me, the last thing I would have ever wanted to do was to be a pastor or a minister. That was the last thing. If you wanted to get me upset, it was to be a pastor or to be a minister. I hated the idea. I hated the job. I saw my father as a pastor. I saw him grow up as a pastor, hated every little bit of it. Um, I hated what it did to him. I hated what it did to our family. I hated everything about it. And y'all have heard my rant already about how the church treats pastors. But the pastor's job is an underpaid job. The pastor's job is an undersupported job. The pastor's job is not one for the week. And if you're a pastor, you're not doing it for God, you ain't going to (laughs) last. I'll tell you that right now. You are not going to last. (laughs) What's funny is I ran from education to (laughs) full-time. Oh, man. Isn't it funny? Like, when God calls you, and just so you know, that is ministry itself. You can say I ran from education to full-time ministry, not realizing that God was saying your ministry is education. (laughs) But it's funny how we sometimes want to impose our will but when god starts speaking something in you and you feel like this doesn't align this doesn't align at all with 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 anything that i desire why is this even on my mind more likely than not it is god speaking as a matter of fact when we think about our heart's desires generally speaking especially in our time in our seasons of of spiritual immaturity God's will generally contends with ours. God's will generally contends with ours. So if there's something, the desire that comes in your time in the word and in your time in prayer that somehow resists whatever your initial inclination is and your desire, most likely it's God. God saying to you, this is where I want you to be and this is where you ought to go. Jonah's very much like a lot of us. You know, you know. You know, it's one of those things where you know. When you hear from God, you know. (laughs) Prophetic folks know what I'm talking about. Spiritual folks know what I'm talking about when you have heard from God. As a matter of fact, the more time you spend, I'm, I'm ranting before I get into the word, but the more time you spend in intimacy with the Lord, the more clear you hear the voice of God the more you're able to discern between your will and God's will. So how do I discern between my will and God's will? Well, the way you discern your will and God's will is actually your time in prayer. The more time you spend in intimacy with your father, the more you will discern his voice. 
What did, what did he say in the scripture? He says, my sheep will hear my voice. And I know some of you guys are thinking, okay, so how do I hear the voice of God? Because for, for many of you, what you're waiting to hear is you're waiting to hear this big booming voice that's got all this reverb on it. You know, sometimes when you hear people speak prophetically, you're like, oh my gosh, he just heard from God. And you think what he just heard was this big booming voice with all this reverb, you know what I mean? And and it's just shaking inside of his head and now he's about to speak. It's not how that works. It's not how that works. Not to say God can't speak that way, but that's generally not how God speaks. God speaks through our time and intimacy inserting his mind into our mind. And when we have the mind of God, what, isn't that what Paul said in, in, in Philippians chapter two, that the mind that we will have is actually the mind of Christ. So the thoughts of God then become our thoughts. The thoughts of God are inserting into me and becoming our thoughts. <laughs> Not the reverb. <laughs> and so it's, it's so critically important that we learn to discern between God's voice and ours. But some of us know, you know, you know, you know where God is leading you. You know what God is saying. You know that right now, this is where God wants you to go. You know right now, this is what God wants you to do. But you're like Jonah, resistant to it. Jonah has been gifted to hear from God. But Jonah wants to impose his will on God. Jonah is known for the fish, but the fish is not even how much, how much, how much scripture do we see about a fish here, family? After we see at the Jonah chapter two, most of this text is not about Jonah and a fish. Jonah is thrown into the sea in first chapter. Jonah is then swallowed up by a fish that was prepared for him at the end of the chapter. And then we see in chapter two, Jonah's prayer while he's in the fish. And then it says in, in chapter, in verse 10, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah into dry land. Again, this is how God works. When he speaks, things move. He moves nature when he speaks. As a matter of fact, when nature moves, it's because God is speaking. Another conversation for another day. That's not the purpose of this conversation here. And what I want to point out to is everything we learned in Sunday school about Jonah. We actually miss out on the actual purpose of this chapter. We actually miss out on the purpose of this story. We leave with Jonah getting spit out and notice he didn't even get spit out in Nineveh. He got spit out on dry land and then he had to go to Nineveh. Jonah repents before God, but Jonah's repentance isn't all the way there. Notice what Jonah's, I just want you guys to pay, pay very, very close attention. I want you guys to pay very, very close attention. Jonah's praying here from the fish's belly. Oh, we, we preach that. I've heard a sermon on that. He prays as I cry out to the Lord because of my affliction. And there's a word there. And I'm not, I'm not, remember, we're not here to, to, to discount even when we preach certain elements of the text because there's so much to learn. I can preach a whole sermon, maybe a whole series on just Jonah chapter two. I can preach that, but we're talking about what's the purpose of this whole book. What is this whole book saying to me? We can, we, we can get stuck on just this part and miss out on the full text and what the text is trying to say. 
He's saying, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple, the presence of God. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own, their, their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. This all sounds great, but Jonah's in a bind right now. And Jonah finds himself being reminded that his life isn't his and being reminded that his life was called in worship to him. He says, Lord, he knows that God is the one that put him into this position. God is the one that placed him here. He knows that he's here, but notice what he's remembering. He says, my soul fainted within me and I remembered the Lord. Jonah is rekindling his relationship with God in that moment that he's in the fish. As powerful as that may seem, what the book is revealing to us is that even in this moment of distress, Jonah had not yet arrived. I know that's a nice part of the text and it's beautiful. It's great. It's all good, but let's not miss the point. We can have moments of repentance before God, but repentance comes in so many layers. This is why sanctification is not a moment. Sanctification is a lifetime. We can repent in that we're submitting our lives to Christ. But man, it takes time for God to continue to work and work and work all those broken elements of us. Jonah repented before God, but his repentance still wasn't all the way there yet. Jonah is having a moment, but Jonah has not yet arrived. How do we know that? Because not much has changed about Jonah in regards to God's will versus his will. He doesn't like that he's going to Nineveh. Jonah gets spit out, and even when he gets spit out, notice in chapter 3, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah for the second time. Notice, Nineveh wasn't the issue on the fish. It was the will of Jonah contesting with the will of God. Did you see Nineveh at all in the fish story? What he's in the fish? No, there was no Nineveh there. It was something going on with Jonah. Jonah was running from God. And because Jonah was running from God, God had to deal with the fact that Jonah somehow thinks his plan is better than God's. And now, even after he gets spit out, he has to be told once more because he had to be broken. And when he was broken, finally, he can receive the command of God when God says now one more time. Remember, he gets out of the fish and now for a second time, he says to him, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. This time around, Jonah's not going the other way. This time, Jonah's going to Nineveh. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, and Jonah began to enter the city on a first day walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days Nineveh will be over throne. <clears throat> this is where we're going to begin to see the nature 
of Jonah's anger, his frustration, and his brokenness. We hear many messages about Nineveh. What is your Nineveh? Nothing wrong with asking that question. The problem is that sometimes we think of Nineveh simply as what God's plan is for us. The, 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 the destiny that God has in store with us, for us. We, we hear that, and that's, that's beautiful. That's great and all. But what Nineveh was for Jonah, ah, was something entirely different. First, we start off with this, this notion, this idea. It, it's obvious from the beginning that you guys know that Jonah does not like Nineveh. Jonah does not like Nineveh. He doesn't like the Ninevites. There's a story, the, 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 um, the dynamics between the Hebrews and the Nineveh, the, 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 the people of Nineveh, the, the, the king of Nineveh. I mean, these people were, by every measure, mean. These are not the kind of people that you would say, man, God has a plan for them. These are the people who are evil before the eyes of God. Which I find funny because Jonah is actually a prophet in an area in an era when the kings themselves were evil. So Nineveh being a key city of an empire that is already compromising Israel's position in the world as a nation and as a people. Assyria, which we later learn, right, ends up taking over this 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 key city and this powerful city. It says here in this, the text that it's an exceedingly great city. It's a city of influence. It's a city of might and power. And yet God calls Jonah to a city, to the enemy. God is calling Jonah to go and to preach a message to a people by every account hates Jonah's people. Jonah is being called. If you say, well, what's wrong with Nineveh? The problem with Nineveh is Nineveh hates you. Nineveh is a place, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's so early in the morning right now. But, but, but Nineveh is not a safe place. Nineveh is hostile territory. And he's saying, I want you to go to a hostile place and preach my message. It took, it took Jonah getting swallowed by a fish, getting spit out to hear from God and for God to say, go. And it was a three-day journey to get there. So Jonah then gets there. Notice again, we usually, you know, the story tells us he spit, spit us out and spit him out into Nineveh. No, he, he spit him out. And then Jonah had to, you know, again, readdress with God and then walk three days <laughs> to get to Nineveh. He gets to Nineveh. And he preaches. I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to the point here because you're gonna see where I'm going with this. He gets to Nineveh. He preaches. You would say a, a, a very encouraging message. He just said, "Yet yeah, forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown." They hear the prophet, 
And then verse five says, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on a sackcloth from the grace of listen, even the king of Nineveh. There's so much, again, that's a Bible study by itself. We have, we'd have so much to impact from that. I don't got the time to do that here. Maybe we'll save that for a Patreon Bible study. We have so many that we want to just, there's so much I would want to do, guys. <laughs> I just wish I had the time to do it. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to keep working through it. But, but, but I, I want you to pay, pay very, very close attention here. Is for the people that Jonah hates, that Jonah knows hates him, for the people that Jonah does not seem very supportive of, for the people who are his enemy, Jonah preaches a message that doesn't seem so that doesn't seem very inspiring, and yet these people repented. They believed God, Yahweh. Huh? This great city? This the city of pagans? Cause it to and then the, 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 of course the king proclaims, let neither man nor beast hurt nor flog taste anything. Don't let him eat, drink water. He's literally telling them, we're gonna go to a fast. What can and then he says in verse nine, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away his from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Just a simple warning brought them to repentance. Bunch of folk who hate or hated God, who hate Israel, who hate the Hebrew people. And the scriptures tell us that God relented from his disaster that he said he would bring upon them hundreds of thousands, over a hundred thousand people were saved. But the interesting thing about this story, and this is the part that people miss, because again, Sunday school only told us about how he just went and he preached in Nineveh and the people were saved. We miss the whole point of the book, the whole point of the story, and I get it, you know, you know, it's for the kids and the kids, you know, they can't get the whole thing because the whole thing can be a little ugly because we'd have to really take a peek into our own hearts. All these things happen to Nineveh. And then chapter four, the last chapter of this book, the whole point of all this, the anti-climax of this is that Jonah isn't happy. Jonah is angry. The text tells us that after he said, okay, God, I'm going to tell you what I got to say. All right. I said it. And then all of a sudden, all these people get saved. And then Jonah says, in verse two, it says, so he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? What is Jonah doing here? He's imposing his will again on God. Therefore, I fled previously. He's almost talking to God as if he was right. Like, God, see, I was right all this time. Wasn't the fish enough for you, Jonah? Like, you, you, you obviously don't get it. 
He says, for I know that you're gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now, therefore, now, Lord, oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. What? We, we, get, we, we read this and we go, wait, hold up, prophet. So you see God give grace and mercy to a whole city full of people. And rather than celebrating the work that God is doing through these people, you're angry. You're actually thinking in your mind. See, God, we were better off staying home. It would almost seem as if Maybe, I don't know if y'all reading what I'm reading, but it would almost seem as if Jonah prefers to see Nineveh destroyed. It would almost seem as if Jonah would have wanted to see these people just hear what he had to say. Jonah, I would like to think, and if I could just paint a picture of Jonah going to Nineveh, it was one like this. Oh, fine. I can imagine him spending three days walking to Nineveh and always thinking to myself, I'm going to show you, God, how I'm right. Yeah, okay, God, fine. I'll do what you tell me to do. I know how this is going to turn out. I know what these people are going to do. So, fine, whatever. Let me just hurry up and do this so that you can leave me alone, God. Do you see where Jonah's heart is, fam? Jonah's not where we think he is. Jonah did not arrive on the fish. Jonah's heart was thought out just enough <laughs> to hear from God and to do what God told him to do. Jonah used this resistant, prideful, rebellious, sorry, the Lord uses resistant, prideful, rebellious man to go and to preach, and he does not like these people and of course he's got reason he knows what these people have done to the hebrews he knows them he knows he knows the evil that they that they perform in 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 their in their homes and and in the city he knows what what happens in Nineveh. he knows these aren't the kind of people who god would love would they they can't be the kind of people who who god would save no no way not them And then when he gives the message and then he sees that they repented, he's thinking like, wait, hold up. What? No, they weren't supposed to be saved. That's not what was supposed to happen. These people hate me. These people hate my people. These people hate. They hate my God. This is not how it's supposed to turn out. And God. What kind of favor are you showing these people? Nah, they can't be real. Nah, this isn't real. Jonah would rather die than see his enemy live. Jonah would rather die than see his enemy thrive. Do you guys see the level of pride in Jonah's heart? 
Do you know that this book ends with Jonah needing the work, not the Ninevites? This is, this is the contradiction that we see in the text. Is Jonah's preaching to a people, he's actually not expecting them to repent. He's just doing it because God's telling them to do because his heart isn't for the people. He doesn't love these people. He hates them. And he hates him so much that it is burning him up inside to see these people spared by God. Wait a minute. My God loves these people who hate me? And of course, God, by his grace, Jonah, who's having his little hissy fit, Jonah's having his little moment, his little temper tantrum. God still covers him and says that it was there that Jonah saw the worm and and then he wished death upon himself. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah's looking at the plant. He's seeing the worm on the plant. Jonah's just angry. He's just straight up mad because God prepares this worm and the worm damages the plant. Jonah's looking at the world through this lens. And he says, is it right for me to be angry even to death? Who are you, Jonah? And of course, verse 10, it says, but the Lord said that you have pitied a plant. You have pitied a plant that you have not labored. You are choosing your own justice. You're choosing what what to love and what not to love. You're choosing what what matters versus what actually matters. You're you're determining your own your own justice and your own righteousness and your own judgment. You you're the one who's done it, but who's the one that actually labored on this plant? Was it not me? And if I labored on this plant, notice what he's saying. He says, I labored on this great city. Wait, Lord, my enemy? You know what Jonah's about? And notice the tension. The text ends with a question. We don't end Sunday school with that. We end with a resolution. There is no resolution in this book, y'all. We say, what is Jonah about? The story of Jonah. This is actually the story of Jonah. The story of Jonah is not the fish. The story of Jonah is how the fish wasn't enough. Because repentance has so many layers and so many levels. The one who needs repentance here is actually Jonah. Because Jonah like many people who are too good for themselves and too spiritual and too about themselves feel like they get to determine who gets saved and who doesn't. As if they have the right to contend with God about who gets salvation and who doesn't. You know what's funny to me, fam? Man, I wish I had my phone and I could do some TikToks on this. You know what's funny to me, fam? Is the people that we'd want saved, who would look the part, may not be the people we see in heaven. (laughs) 
And the people who we don't want to look the part are the ones who get saved. There are going to be people who the world said are the worst of the worst, criminals in prison. There will be killers. It's going to sound crazy that I'm going to say it because everybody's going to hate that I say this. But we'll be shocked to know that people who are saved by the grace of God. And we're going to be shocked at the people who didn't receive the grace of God. We're going to be shocked at the people who, oh man, stop it, Asia. I'm not even going to put that on the podcast. I'm going to stop right there. Stop right there. Because for some reason, we think that we are the arbiters of God's grace. We think we are the justifiers. We think we're the ones who determine who ought to be saved and who ought not to be saved. We think that we should reach the people. I'm just going to say it real quick. There's some people who we've written off in our lives. We've written them off for the evil that we've seen that they've committed. We've written them off for, for, for the things that we've seen in their history. We've written them off for where they've come from. There are people that we've written off. And God is saying, those people who you wrote off are probably the people who God's going to rescue and save. Oh, and let's take it a little bit further. God has a way of giving grace to the people we naturally would never give grace to. Jonah is angry. And he's angry because of God's kindness. Because Jonah's pride can't, his mind, as a result of his pride, can't, can't get wrapped around the idea that God would love a people who would hate him. That God would love a people who have hated his people. His mind, he can't wrap his mind around it. So for Jonah, he'd rather be dead and confront that reality. As if we weren't naturally enemies against God. I hope y'all hear what I'm saying, fam. Because we have to ask the question, who, who do we really reach? And do we truly love our enemies? Like, can we accept a person who may never actually fully get it? Because in the end, notice what he says. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which more than 120,000 persons cannot discern between their left and their right and a much livestock? Weird ending. We'll get to that some other time whenever we have the opportunity to do it because my time is up. But I hope y'all catching what he's saying here. These guys still have not yet arrived, and yet God gave them them grace. You know what I realized, fam? There are a lot of Christians today, and I I lightly put, I put pencil mark quotations around the word Christian, uh, or maybe I'll pencil the word Christian, and I'll put hard quotations around that. There are Christians today, I, I legit, and I ask this on the regular basis, and I say, do these guys understand the grace of God? Because I see the way they operate and all I see is anger. 
I don't know if anybody's seen that, where you see the Christians who are literally angry, angry about people who are lost. Houseway. They can't discern between their right and their left. They grew up on evil. They grew up on this stuff. And yet you're mad that they can't see the love and the grace of God. And you're angry. And even when you preach that message, there are people who have come to be saved by him. And oh, they big mad. They big mad. That's right, Sarah. They big mad. I've seen some folks who are big mad. What are these people doing at the church? How, who, who do these people think they are? Look at how they dress. Look at how they look. Look at what they're wearing. Look at their history. Did you not hear about the things that they, did you know that these people actually hate and are enemies to what we believe? And you're telling me to preach to them and to prophesy to them and to pray for them and to love them. Some of us would rather be like Jonah. We'd rather die. How do I know that? Because there are folks here who would rather the Lord just take us up in the rapture than for us to enter into the dark places and to bring the message of Jesus. It's our pride. And I find in a lot of churches, there are folks who are angry, angry, angry. It's almost like I, I, I asked the question, I'm like, do you, do you actually know God? Do you, do you know his love? Is it, does the scripture tell us that God is love? You're actually mad. What are you mad about? Oh, you're mad about the fact that this person's story doesn't look like yours. You're mad about the fact that God can still love a person who can commit and do the things that they've done. You're mad because you have not yet fully experienced the grace and the love of God. How are you big mad about people who can't discern between their right and their left when God called you to them? I say this, family, and I say this in all sincerity for those of you who are here. One of the best things that can happen to you is to become a friend of sinners. Jesus Christ. I'm I'm shaking inside right now, even, even as I'm sharing this with you guys. The best thing that can happen in your own walk with Christ is to be friends with sinners. Because what they will do is they will soften your heart. What sinners will do when you learn to love them, you're going to experience the grace of God over your life. If you become becoming a friend of sinners, it's going to remind you every day. People who actually hate God remind you of the time when you hated God when your life didn't align to him and how God still loved you and entered into your existence. Becoming a friend of sinners changes your life. You see, what what Jonah did is what many of us do. 
we quickly drop a little truth bomb in the center world and then we run back to our little place and be angry. But if we would tabernacle with sinners, like, like do what Jesus did to actually love them and the ones who actually hate you to actually love them, love the people who hate you. Can you do that? The question ends with, a, with the, the, the book ends with the tension which I believe is the tension for many today. Do we actually love our enemies? Do we actually love the people who actually hate what we're about? I'll close with this because I can be here all day, but I got to get ready to head out. Got meetings, me on meetings. Keep me in prayer, y'all fam. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this reality that we're just not in Nineveh enough. We don't spend enough time in Nineveh. And that's why we don't know how to even navigate in Nineveh. We do it on social media. We just kind of throw these little truth bombs, boom, and then we run. And then we go back to our little angry place and we just get angry with all our angry people and talk about how the world is such an evil place. When the scriptures tell us to go ye therefore into all the world. If you became a friend of sinners, you may actually get softened up. If you actually became a friend of sinners, you may actually see them the way God sees them. If you became a friend of sinners, you would see, it would humble you in a way for you to see even how God sees you. And the tension is, is do we get to choose who gets saved? Are we only choosing the people who look the part? Or are we actually dining and dwelling with people who actually need Jesus? Let's be friends of sinners. Let's be lovers of our enemies because I promise you we may end up becoming a lot of us may end up becoming like Jonah if we don't wanting for the Lord to just take us up in the rapture away from this evil broken world because there's so much evil in it but can we love our enemies Pray for a sinner today. See that, Josh? You're the only Christian where you were. I'm telling you, when you lo love them, they don't need somebody who's, I love that. They don't need a holier-than-thou person. They need a person who will dwell with them, dine with them, get to know them, understand them. <clears throat> If you don't have a sinner friend, find one. They'll soften you up. 
If you don't, you're going to become as angry as Jonah. Self-righteous. Holier than thou. Better than them. And in the end of this text, who actually needs repentance? Jonah. (laughs) Jonah is the one that needs to repent. (laughs) This is it about... You know, this this the center of the story is not. Oh, Jonah obeyed God, and many were saved. No, Jonah resisted God and didn't like the people that God saved. So today, let's not. I love that. Let's not cherry pick. Let's love our enemies. Let's be friends of sinners. Father, I thank you as we uh, navigate through this day, Father. Wow, how powerful of a reminder this is today in our reading of Jonah. Lord, to be reminded that we were called to those who hate us. We were called to those who hate what we believe, hate what we know, and yet, Lord, you love them. And Lord, you're kind. And sometimes that kindness doesn't make sense to us. But God, I just pray today, Lord, that that kindness would transfer through us to those around us. Lord, teach us, Lord, to be friends of sinners. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. Again, guys, I want to encourage you. If you're here, I see a lot more folks on Discord. Start expecting that. Um... We we may do since I will be traveling a lot. Um, expect that I'll be doing this simply on Discord. Um, whenever I get a chance and I'm in the room and I can, you know, in my office and I can fire up all the video, then I'll fire up all the video. But I want to start looking for opportunities like this to continue our rhythm together, um, to to stay on track with the reading. I know we're we're almost done with the Old Testament, but I want to encourage you guys to do that. Also, prayerfully consider, fam, those of you who are here, prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Actually, the reason why I'm in an office now where I'm able to put out all the content that I put out and the videos and all of that is because of people who support. Uh, it was those of you who said, hey, we want to support what you're doing. And they got me out of doing read and rants in the car to doing read and rants in an office. So that's why we do this now. That's why we're able to do this. So guys, prayerfully consider that. And thank you. I saw a few of our patrons who actually upped their amount. Thank you so much, guys. Um, the other thing I've, I've been thinking about is how, because I've had a few of our patrons ask, how can we gift to someone who can't become a patron uh, or who doesn't have the funds for it? How can we gift them? I'm looking into creating like a scholarship bin, a scholarship fund, um, and then signing up people through that scholarship fund. So if you guys are interested in that, I want you to, if you're on Patreon, send me a message and say, hey, I want to support, um, you know, one person. Um, and then we're going to set up a scholarship so that way we can add more people. So I've been thinking about that as well. So guys, the more people who support, the closer we get to our goal and we're going to be able to do more with it. So guys, please prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Love y'all. Thank you guys so much. I will see you guys, quote unquote, see you guys tomorrow. All right. Peace out. Love y'all, fam.